You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. She hides in plain sight and looks like someone you may know, but she's different. With wings and talons and an extra row of razor-sharp teeth, she may be hunting out there tonight. Somewhere, looking for blood and entrails, she may be hunting you. Her hunger is insatiable, and her power is great. You may be able to stop her with some nails and a stake, but if she's caught your scent, it may be too late. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing the Striga, a female demon from Slavic mythology, similar to a vampire and just as vile. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. The smell of cinnamon and apples was filling the house, and it slowly drifted into Wyatt's bedroom, waking him. 
A rumble from his stomach was followed by his eyes flitting open. He stretched and yawned, trying to wake the rest of the way up. The delicious smell in the air was enough to keep him from dallying in his room for too long, especially if he was right about what was causing it. He had no doubt that his mom was in the kitchen where she was baking up an oven full of apple cinnamon muffins, his favorite. Every year for as long as he could remember, she baked them for breakfast on special days. He had no idea what was special about today, but he didn't care. He just wanted to scarf down as many of those muffins as he could. She must have heard him coming because she had poured a tall glass of cold milk and it was sitting on the table with a plate, holding the object of his stomach's desire. A large muffin cut down the middle with a pat of butter melting on both sides. Good morning, she greeted him as he entered the kitchen. Morning, he replied. What's the special occasion? He asked out of slight curiosity, not waiting for a reply. He had already sat down and grabbed part of the muffin from his plate. I'll tell you when your dad comes down. We want to tell you together, she explained. That doesn't sound ominous at all, Mom. I hope we aren't moving again. I'm happy here, he warned. She didn't comment any further. She just turned her back to him and began pouring two cups of coffee. Wyatt was finished with his first muffin and reaching for another when his dad walked into the kitchen straightening his tie. Good morning. His greeting was directed at both of them. He then sat down across from Wyatt and shortly his mother joined them. So... Wyatt mumbled through a mouthful of muffin. What fresh kind of hell do you have planned for us that we are celebrating? He directed the question at his dad. His mother gasped. Wyatt, watch your mouth. It was an order, but there was no shock or anger in her voice. Well, his dad paused to clear his throat. <clears throat> but then he nodded at his wife, urging her to speak instead. You know that since Lily passed last year, we've been trying to get your Uncle Brant to let Daria come stay with us for a while. Yeah, I've heard you mention it. What about it? He asked, relieved that it wasn't something that would have a major effect on his life. Or at least he didn't think it would. A few days ago, your Uncle Brant was in a boating accident. It's pretty serious. So serious that they don't think he will ever wake up. Mom, you realize that this is really morbid, right? He said as he waved his hands at the muffins. Are you celebrating the end of your brother-in-law? No, no, you didn't let me finish. She was getting flushed. I know you never met your cousin Daria, but I have showed you pictures. Lily and I always wanted our kids to be close, but Lily met Brant and moved off to Poland with him. She was beginning to look sad, and Wyatt was afraid she would start crying again, like she used to right after her sister had died. He kept quiet and waited for her to gain her composure. Someone from Polish Child Services called yesterday. They are sending Daria to live with us until they see what is going to happen with Brant. It looks like we may be the only family she has. She seemed relieved to finally have her explanation out there. Wyatt didn't know what to say, or what she expected him to say, 
so he opted for a safe reply. Cool, but I'm not sharing my room with a girl. Where is she going to sleep? She explained that they would be turning the office into a bedroom over the next couple of days. Wyatt downed his glass of milk and got it from the table. Okay, let me know if there's anything I can do. I'm going to be late for school. He grabbed his backpack that was hanging from the coat rack. Oh, and don't forget I have practice after school. Our first game is in three days. After practice, I'm going to Mike's house. He backed up long enough to give her a quick kiss on the forehead and disappeared out the back door. Wyatt played point guard for Jackson Hole High School's basketball team, so Friday nights starting in January were always busy. If the team was playing at home, then the guys would always find a place to hang out to burn off the leftover adrenaline, talk about the game, and maybe, if they were lucky, meet up with some girls. Wyatt had a girlfriend up until Christmas break, when she had met some guy at the ranch she worked at from Texas. He decided then that women, especially the pretty ones like Cassie, couldn't be trusted, and he was still bent out of shape about it. That was his first thought Thursday evening when he met his cousin Daria for the first time face to face. He came home right after dark and went straight to his room where he found her standing, looking at the pictures he had pinned to his wall. She was tall and well-shaped, and when she turned around his breath caught in his throat. Her fair skin and natural blonde hair only accented her eyes that were almost violet. He was going to ask her what she was doing in his room, but he couldn't get the words out. She spoke first. I'm sorry. I was just curious about you and you weren't here, so I... Wyatt finally found his voice. It's okay. You just caught me off guard. I'm Daria, your cousin, she said with an embarrassed smile which made her even more gorgeous. I kind of guessed. Wyatt laughed. While inside his head he was telling himself to shake it off, dude. This girl is family. Well, I should go and let you have your space, she said as she headed towards the door. Wyatt was surprised when he heard himself say, No, that's okay, you can hang out. I would love to hear about Poland. They hit it off so well that they talked well into the evening. They were both intrigued that they were born only a week apart but had never met. Wyatt told her about school, basketball, and his friends. And Daria told him how the past year had been rough. And she fought back tears when she talked about losing her mom, and now most likely her dad. Then she abruptly changed the subject with a totally random comment. I was born with a full set of teeth. When I turned two, another set began to grow in behind them, but you can barely see them. She blushed and apologized quickly. I'm sorry. I'm not good at transitioning from tough subjects. That's okay, Wyatt reassured her warmly. Tell me more about these extra teeth, please. Well, it's normal, but rare. They thought I would have to have surgery to remove some of them when they began to cause trouble, but they never have. My dad used to tell me that I was a little shark, and the teeth may come in handy someday. She giggled a bit then. He said I may have to bite off a boy or two's hand one day when I started dating. Wyatt stifled a yawn. Daria noticed and made an excuse to leave. I need to go finish unpacking and let you rest. I enjoy talking to you. 
Good night. The next morning when Wyatt was getting ready for school, he realized he was going to have his hands full when his friends got a look at Daria. He smiled and shook his head as he imagined their reactions. He knew that Mike would be the first to beg Wyatt to set him up on a date with her. He would make sure that never happened. He had seen how Mike treated his girlfriends and it was less than respectful. His mother asked him to show Daria around the school and introduce her to his friends, and of course he had already planned on doing just that. When they arrived at school, the other students' reactions were even more over the top than he had imagined. People, boys and girls, even teachers stopped what they were doing to stare as they walked down the hallway. Daria acted as if she didn't notice, and Wyatt felt a mixture of pride, discomfort, and protectiveness. He found the guys hanging around their lockers, which were all bunched together, an honor only given to athletes. Mike, just as he expected, was the first. He had been telling the guys about some girl he was talking to, but when he saw Wyatt walk up with Daria, he totally forgot what he was saying. He just stared openly. It was pretty awkward. Guys, Wyatt began, ready to clear the air. This is Daria. She's my cousin. Oh, thank God, Mike blurted out. I was afraid you were going to say she was your girlfriend. Wait, did I really just say that out loud? He feigned embarrassment, but Wyatt knew that nothing embarrassed Mike. He had an ego the size of the Grand Teton. Wyatt ignored him and introduced each of his friends by name. Daria, this big-mouthed guy is Mike. And this, he nodded towards the other two, is Lowry and Duck. Nice to meet you, she said, nodding to each of them. Hey, you don't have an accent. Mike stated what Wyatt had failed to notice. I do, but, she began to explain, my mother is, was, American, and I practiced talking like her from the time I was small. I thought I would fit in better if I didn't have an accent to make me stand out. Mike laughed. Baby, you don't need an accent to stand out. He said that as he looked her up and down and then back up. Don't start, man, Wyatt warned. Wyatt, who's your new friend? Wyatt cringed and rolled his eyes at the sound of Cassie's voice. He introduced Daria to his ex-girlfriend, and to his surprise they hit it off immediately, and Cassie took over showing Daria around the school. He had to wonder if her intentions were darker than her actions. Before the day had ended, he would find out. Wyatt didn't see Daria before the game, but he knew that if she was with Cassie that he would see her later, either at the game or afterwards. Everyone was going to the Jumping Horse Ranch for a bonfire party and ice skating. Basketball season was off to an excellent start. They had beat the Trojans 123-106. to the excitement of victory brought extra energy around the bonfire later. Just as Wyatt had expected, Daria showed up with Cassie. She seemed to be having a good time. She was dressed well for the cold weather, reminding him that she had came from an even colder climate than Wyoming's. He didn't trust Cassie, but that didn't mean she wouldn't make Daria a good friend. But he found out later that night that his instincts had been right. At a quarter after midnight, Wyatt was sitting beside Daria's cold, lifeless body, 
in an ambulance headed to St. John's Medical Center. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Countless demons of Slavic origin used to hide in the woods, lakes, and fields of old Poland. The ancient Slavs thought that demons, undead, and other evil spirits were responsible for illnesses, misfortunes, and natural disasters. They exist at the boundaries separating the living and dead worlds. These boundaries may be actual places, like thresholds, bridges, or intersections. Or they may be figurative ones, like those at midnight, noon, and full moon. Therefore, it is best to avoid such unclean locations and times if you don't want to get into trouble. Vampires would likely be the first thing that comes to mind if someone mentions a horrible Slavic demon that feeds on blood and prowls the night. Striga, a monster who resembles vampires, but is in many ways far nastier, is said to exist in Polish folklore. Striga is most commonly a female demon with two rows of teeth. The second row can barely be seen, unlike vampires. She transforms into an owl at night and stalks anyone unlucky enough to be outside. Striga is a frightening creature that frequently resembles an owl or bird. It is vicious and endowed with large claws. She likes to spend the night in barns, woodlands, and crossroads. Striga were said to be people who were born with two souls, two hearts, and two sets of teeth. People who are somnambulic or have hairless underarms may also be considered ones. In addition, it was also thought that a newborn baby with teeth was one. Striga were driven from human habitations when they were recognized as such. People were being buried alive during epidemics, and those who were able to escape their graves, often frail, ill, and with amputated hands, were labeled as Striga by others. Striga were believed to typically die young, but only one of their two souls was thought to go to the afterlife. The other soul was thought to make the dead Striga come back to life and eat other living things. They were said to attack nighttime travelers and persons who had gone off into the woods at night, sucking out their blood and consuming their insides. These undead creatures were said to soar at night in the shape of an owl. For a brief time, it was also thought that animal blood satisfied Striga, but only until she could find a human victim. 
Other sources state that Striga were thought to signal impending death rather than physical injury to humans. Anyone with traits thought to be the signs of a Striga, if not treated properly, would reanimate in demonic form and emerge from the grave as a highly enraged and murderous Striga. Striga remembers her previous life as a human, according to this traditional Slavic tale. She will therefore begin chasing people who made fun of her or injured her in some way during her human life. Even a completely Striga individual may initially seem normal, with skin that is perhaps a little more bluish. But soon they start to grow owl-like characteristics like feathered wings, long pointed ears, and sharp claws. These features, along with their two sets of sharp teeth, make them terrible predators. Predators that hunt humans. The Striga must rely on the life force of others to survive, because they are now entirely demons once their transformation is complete. Although they can initially survive on animal blood for a while, they will eventually feel the need to ravage humans. They sleep in graves during the day and come out at night. It was common knowledge that they would target anyone who had wronged them in their first life, sucking their blood and then devouring their insides. One of the strictest strategies would have been to pose as a barn owl before assuming their actual form and making their assault. This is likely one of the main causes of Poland's less intense reverence for owls than other nations. Strigas should be avoided at night by staying away from dense brush, strolling in the middle of the road, and never venturing close to cemeteries. A striga is believed to be able to be stopped from reviving in a number of different ways. The most common methods were usually to burn the body and cut off the head. But in Slavic folklore, there were some wilder methods such as burying the body head down and severing the tendons in the legs of the deceased, while leaving tiny objects in the grave for the Striga to count. Another way to stop this monster from haunting the land of the living is to find someone brave enough to sleep in the grave of the deceased, who is now believed to be a Striga. If that happens, at dawn she will die for the second time and finally be at peace. There are some other methods of protection from the Striga, and may be similar to protection against vampires, such as the hammering of nails or stakes into various parts of the body, scattering poppy seeds in the shape of a cross in every corner of the house, and exposure to sunlight. The main purpose of Polish mythological figures was to explain reality. Many phenomena in the early Middle Ages were incomprehensible to humans. The most reasonable explanation was to think that higher supernatural powers existed, as a result, not only a few creatures existed, but also a large number of Polish monsters, Polish demons, and Polish legendary creatures. They typically symbolized bad things that happened to individuals, from minor things like lack of sleep to serious things like nighttime suffocation and drownings. I couldn't find where the Striga was used often in popular culture, but she did make her way into the Netflix series The Witcher, the Striga of the Witcher were inspired by the Slavic mythology of both the Striga and Strigoi. This Striga is a cruel monster that aims to kill and consume all humans it comes into contact with. In The Witcher, a Striga is a lady who was cursed into becoming a monster. The monster can only be cured by being kept from returning to its lair by the third crow of the rooster, and it only hunts during a full moon. 
the Slavic folklore creature known as a striga, which is clearly influenced by the Polish striga, is born with two hearts and consequently two souls. The second soul would resuscitate the person upon natural death, who would then be changed into a monster. The curse that transformed the females in this episode into a striga is not well understood. The sole instance of a striga's existence that has been thoroughly chronicled is that of Ada the White, the daughter of Foltest, king of Tamaria. She was born a striga after being cursed before she was born. She was buried alongside her mother, who passed away shortly after giving birth. She developed inside the coffin for seven days before emerging as a predatory beast, with the size and strength to carry it out. The Witcher was based on novels by Andrzej Sapkowski, about a man hunting down and killing monsters. Slavic monsters, of course, because Polish folklore creatures are among the cruelest and most terrifying, and Striga is no exception. There are a lot of different types of vampires in Poland. However, among the wild Polish demon, Striga is unquestionably the most popular because of the Witcher. Daria stopped breathing twice in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Wyatt watched in horror as her lips and skin turned even more blue than they were before. The paramedics were quick and worked hard to resuscitate her, and they succeeded both times. And by the time they reached the ER, she was stable. Wyatt's parents arrived moments after the ambulance. His mother was freaking out, asking him what had happened. He was half expecting her to blame him for not keeping a better eye on Daria. Mom, I'll tell you everything if you sit down and take a deep breath. He begged. She nodded and sat down in one of the waiting room chairs. His father joined her and wrapped his arm around her in comfort. The girls wanted to go ice skating on the pond, and Daria went with them. We couldn't see them very well in the dark, but we heard the ice crack, and then they began screaming. A couple of the guys from the team were able to reach her and pull her out. He knew that he was only telling half the story, omitting the part where the other girls said Cassie had pushed Daria into an area where she knew the ice had been thin and dangerous. The doctor came out after he finished his story and said that the shock of the cold water was what had made her heart stop twice, but that she would be fine and had no further injuries. She did have to spend the night in the hospital for observation, however. The next day was Saturday. But instead of sleeping in, Wyatt rode with his mom to the hospital to pick up Daria. Wyatt was caught off guard by her appearance when he walked into her hospital room. Her hair almost shimmered in the light. Her skin still held a pale blue tint as well as her lips. It would have been creepy, but her coloring matched her eyes and caused her overall appearance to be mystical looking. She seemed fine, except the quick smile he expected never came and she wouldn't even make eye contact with him. She barely spoke a word on the trip home, nodding and shaking her head to most questions. She went straight to her room and closed the door. Wyatt was worried, but thought maybe she was just embarrassed. He waited until dinner to check on her. When she opened her bedroom door, she was in her robe and was holding the front clothes with her hand. Had her fingernails been that long before? He didn't think so, but he must be imagining things. Mom wants to know if you want to come eat with us. 
If not, I can bring you a plate. Finally, with a hint of a smile that didn't feel friendly, she answered, Thank you. That would be nice. I just need some more rest. Wyatt nodded, not wanting to press her with questions yet, and turned to head to the kitchen. He returned a few moments later with a plate of spaghetti and a can of Dr. Pepper. She opened the door before he had a chance to knock. Daria, Wyatt began, can you tell me what happened out there? Some of the girls are saying Cassie pushed you. Thanks for the food, Wyatt. Don't worry about Cassie. I will handle it. With that said, she shut the door, leaving him standing there staring at it. Later that night, Wyatt was lying in his bed wondering why Daria seemed to be acting so strange. But then again, he didn't really know her that well. Maybe this was normal for her. He wasn't sleepy, but at midnight he turned off his light and tried his best to fall asleep. He was about to put his earbuds in and start his playlist when he thought he heard a thump, like someone had rolled out of bed and hit the floor. He sat there for a moment listening, and he heard some other strange noises. It sounded like Daria was rolling around in the floor. What the hell was she doing? He decided to go check on her out of genuine concern. He walked across the hall and knocked on her door. Daria? He could still hear her or something writhing around on the other side, but it stopped instantly when he called her name. Daria, are you okay in there? If you don't answer, I'm going to open the door, he warned. No answer came, so he slowly opened the door. Daria was laying on her bed, cocooned so tightly in her sheet that he couldn't even see an inch of her. Wyatt took a step towards her. He could see that she was shivering. Daria, he began. Wyatt, if you take one step closer, I swear, leave me alone. Her words and tone stung. Wyatt was never one to push himself on people. If she wanted to be left alone, then that's just what he would do. So he left her room and shut the door behind him. The next day, Daria was a no-show at breakfast. His mom said she had asked to sleep in when she had checked on her. By noon, there was still no sign of Daria. His mom checked on her again. This time, she had come to the door and asked for a sandwich. His mom had fixed her one and took it to her. But she said that she barely opened the door she had just reached out and grabbed it. They didn't see her the rest of the day. That night, Wyatt walked past her door on his way to the bathroom. It was around 2 a.m. The light was on, and he felt an ice-cold draft coming from beneath the door. He could see a shadow moving around from beneath it. Well, at least he knew she was alive, he thought. But then a screech ripped through the air. Alarmed, Wyatt swung her bedroom door open. Sitting just outside her window was the largest owl-like creature he had ever seen. It looked straight at him, and he could see its eyes glowing like amethysts in the dark. He was stunned at what he was seeing, and even more so when it spread its massive wings and took flight. He spun around searching the room for Daria, but she was nowhere to be found. Her bed was disheveled, and on her pillow lay one white feather. Wyatt picked it up and examined it. 
It was silky and shimmered in the light. He didn't know what was going on, but he had decided to leave her alone until she was ready to talk. So he shut her window but didn't lock it and went back to bed. He made a mental note before falling asleep to remember to tell his dad that they may have an owl problem. Daria was up and ready for school the next day, bright-eyed and more stunning than ever. She gave Wyatt a huge smile when she climbed up into his Jeep. Good morning, she said to Wyatt, who was staring at her with a look of shock on his face. So you're talking to me now? He joked, just relieved that she seemed to be back to normal. She talked his ear off on the way to school, but never mentioned the accident. He was afraid to ask. When they arrived at school, he immediately felt a strange tension in the air. It felt similar to the way everyone acted when one of the history teachers had passed in a car crash. Some of the girls were crying, and everyone seemed to be whispering. Daria bid him farewell and headed in the direction of her locker. When he got to his, he found his friends huddled, talking in hushed tones. What's going on? He asked. Everyone is acting weird. Mike was the first to respond as usual. Man, haven't you heard? Sydney Montgomery was killed last night. I mean, she was slaughtered. He seemed overenthusiastic about such tragic information, but that was just the way Mike was. What do you mean? Wyatt asked. Mike cleared his throat and leaned in close. The word is, they found her in her bed, with her neck ripped to shreds, and that isn't the worst of it. She was split open from her sternum to her, well, you know, girl parts. And her insides were gone. Everything. Heart, liver, kidneys, intestines, you name it. Wyatt cringed, hoping this was some sadistic joke. But he looked around and everyone was acting like something horrible had happened. Then the principal's voice came over the intercom and said there would be an assembly in the Fine Arts Auditorium after the second bell. Wyatt nearly jumped out of his skin when the first bell rang, before the principal had even finished his announcement. Everyone put their things in their lockers and headed to the auditorium. The assembly was short but informative. The principal gave a less detailed story of what had happened to Sidney Montgomery and informed the student body that detectives would be calling on everyone starting with her closest friends, and that counselors would be available to those who needed them throughout the day. Wyatt was surprised they didn't just cancel classes. The entire day was chaotic. Students were being called out while others were breaking down in tears. Sydney had been very popular. In fact, she was Cassie's best friend. After school, Daria met him at his Jeep, practically bouncing with excitement. Are you going tonight? Everyone is going to be there. Wyatt looked confused. What are you talking about? Her perkiness annoyed him. We're going back to the pond for another bonfire tonight, in Sydney's memory. Don't worry, there won't be any ice skating. She said this with a laugh. She saw the disgusted look on his face. Wyatt, it was my idea. I thought it would be nice. It's not like it's a party. Do you really think that's a good idea with a killer on the loose? He asked her. We'll be safe in a group. 
I hope. She winked at him and then pulled down the visor mirror to check her makeup. No more words were exchanged on the way home. Wyatt knew he would go to the bonfire. He felt for some reason that he needed to, but he also felt uneasy about it. When the time rolled around, he offered Daria a ride, but surprisingly, she already had one. She said Mike was going to pick her up. Wyatt was about to warn her about Mike, but for some reason he decided she could handle herself, so he left without saying a word. The night seemed colder than it had the previous time they were there. The wind seemed to cut through his jacket like blades of ice. Almost everyone had arrived. They were just waiting on Daria and Mike. When Mike's truck finally pulled in, it was too dark to see, but they only heard one door shut. Daria walked into the light gracefully and alone. Where's Mike? Wyatt asked. Oh, Daria began. He's hanging around. She had a devious-looking smile on her face. Suddenly, something fell from one of the trees closest to their group. Oh, there he is, Daria said nonchalantly while looking at her fingernails. Cassie, who was standing the closest, began to scream. It was a terrifying, blood-curdling sound. Lying on the ground just a few feet from her was Mike's body. His neck was ripped open so deep you could see his cartilage, tendons, and bone. Wyatt turned back towards Daria and was the first to see that she was changing. Her fingernails and ears were growing. Tiny little bumps began to cover her skin. She threw herself down onto all fours, and two lumps began to form on her back, growing until they ripped through the fabric of her clothing. What began to emerge looked like wings. Wyatt heard Cassie scream again, so he turned to help her. That's when he realized everyone was running. At least a dozen people were scattering in every direction. Daria laughed again. Oh, I love a good game of hide-and-seek. Wyatt grabbed Cassie underneath her arm and pulled her with him as he ran towards the cars. They didn't make it far before Daria was upon them. She yanked Cassie from his grip and sunk her teeth deep into her neck until Cassie's screams of pain turned into bloody gurgles. She fell limp, and Daria dropped her body carelessly onto the ground. She smiled at Wyatt her face and teeth covered in blood. All Wyatt could think was, God, she had so many teeth. He took a step back, prepared to run, but she gave him a wink, spread her ghastly wings, and shot into the sky. Wyatt could hear screams all around him. He began to count them as he ran. One, two, three, at this rate, he wouldn't have any friends left. He didn't even know if he would be alive come tomorrow. Somehow Wyatt made it to his jeep. He waited to see if there was anyone he could help, but the sound of screams began to fade until all he could hear was the crackle of the bonfire. He laid his head on the steering wheel, fighting back tears. He felt like a coward. He hadn't tried to help them and he was afraid to get out of the car to see if anyone had survived. 
he jumped when he heard a tapping on the window. Daria, with her sadistic smile, bloody mouth, and too many teeth, was standing there looking at him. Give a girl a ride home, cousin. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss the Kashtaka, a shape-shifting creature from Clinket folklore. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. <laughs>